0: And one of the things we talk about is if we don't give effort, if we're not recognized for effort at University of Oklahoma, then I'm a con man and they're a fraud.
1: All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kami and joined by my co-host, Jack Shields. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you guys can find one. And please give us a five-star review. Really appreciate it. It gives a lot of feedback. Just makes us easier to find. So, anyways, it is Tuesday evening. Jack How's life? We we actually haven't podcasted together in a while. It's, it's been Jenny, a minute. Yeah, Jenny, we've me uh,
0: and Stephen and yeah, yeah, and like obviously you and Stephen are going to be going every other week during the uh, off season with more of a recruiting centric podcast, and with us it's going to be more of the other odds and ends of college football and Oklahoma football, and I I really. It's going to be kind of cool to focus a little more on that and then have another podcast uh, focusing primarily on recruiting and stuff like that. It gives us an opportunity to fit a little bit more of, uh, go a little bit more in depth, I think. I think it's a pretty good deal, but I mean, I've just been, uh, you know, finally, you know, not really going out too much to restaurants, but I'll go out to a patio every now and then. It's kind of nice to, you know, in June in Oklahoma, drink on a patio. That's what you should be doing anyway, so... It's a slight return to normal, CBC, and I'm, uh, I'm definitely enjoying it.
1: Yeah, it's just, you know, it's, 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 in it, it, the weather's actually been pretty nice. It hasn't been too hot, so. It
0: hasn't been that yeah. bad, no. I mean, I, there's, in, you know, there's some good patios around here in Oklahoma City. Have you been to Chalk up in uh, Chisholm Creek before? I haven't. They've got a good, good up sort. Ugh, I can't talk today a good upstairs patio with a ton of TVs and stuff like that, and a really, really good beer selection. I would recommend checking it out. That is not a sponsored uh, plug there. That's, uh, that's just me enjoying a beer on a patio. So there you go.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's been a nice time to kick back and kind of like just do whatever, get back to your grassroots sort of thing. Like just in the next couple of weeks, you know, I'm having my birthday. and Typically we have a bunch of family get together or do whatever, and... Instead, uh, me and my fiancé and a couple of good friends are probably just going to go out to uh, Ufala and just shoot the shit. Um, and then I've been – I I'm, I started reading actually the – I've been reading a lot. But I started reading the book that the movie Friday Night Lights was based off of. And it's – like I'm – dude, I'm like a chapter in and it's already completely ruined the movie. It, like the movie has – has screwed all the timelines and
0: they did really, Dallas Carter dirty too. Yeah, they really it's, did. It's fucked up.
1: Like I'm just, I was just, I'm just reading and I'm like, wow, this thing is, this thing is totally messed up as far as anything I've ever watched on the movie with Booby miles. And, you know, Mike Winchell and all the other things. It's just, it totally crushed it for me. So, I mean, I'm really excited though to read the rest of the book to see what else they mention. Because I know, like you said, they, they did Dallas Carter dirty and they, they don't give them the benefit of the doubt. And actually, you know, the Permian Odessa Panthers, they lose in like the state semifinals or not, they don't even get to the finals. So, it's pretty pretty interesting. But today we have... Quite a few things to talk about. A little more lens geared toward football, less towards recruiting. Uh, Lincoln Riley has been in the news lately for pretty good things. I asked Twitter what their what their top concerns were going into the fall, in the summer for uh, the Oklahoma Sooners football team, and a lot of you guys responded. That I picked out some of the ones that were actually pretty good, and not that none of them were good. Uh, we've got some big questions for us, uh, some p- position battles and then just some summer ball stuff and then just some other general things. So getting onto Lincoln Riley, he really has been like the anti Mike Gundy as of the last since ever. And like, it, it's been even more prominent without a lot of sports going on where anything that you say can make a headline, anything you say is going to be amplified. and. Lincoln Riley, of course, supporting his players uh, a little bit different than Mike Gundy. Um, of course, nobody has to make weird apology videos, uh, dap their players up in an awkward fashion and makes several other videos. And uh, he's actually making headlines for being a student athlete advocate and having their back first out of everything. And of course, most notably Chance Sylvie, who's had a ton of good press come his way and actually talking about change in structure for uh systems of the law and he said he was as proud of him as he's ever been of any player that he's had on campus and so what do you think of Lincoln Riley's exposure of course it's great for him it's great for the university that what does that mean as somebody that's a fan of the Sooners somebody that has followed the Sooners to see such good publicity just coming out about the man Lincoln Riley is and not just the coach
0: see I think at the very least Lincoln Riley at least has the PR wherewithal to not embarrass the university, and I mean, how grateful are you of that? I mean, you see what's going on at the school <laughs> right. up north with that rube from Midwest City. <laughs> I mean, I.
1: Oh my goodness, a rube.
0: He is a rube. I mean, come on. It,
1: it's mean, like the uh, thing. The first thing I thought was Mike Gundy. I I think I tweeted out. I said Mike Gundy has no ability to read the fucking rooms for since real. forever. How, like, how can you be that just like absent-minded and dull? Like he, how can you People
0: how can you do around that? Around here keep giving him the benefit of the doubt, guys. He has shown you who he is several times. Now, I believe me. I I believe that he can grow as a person and all that stuff. I think there's an opportunity for change here and like if you read that uh Yahoo article that just came out, which, by the way, Ooh, that's rough. a little damning, um, does not shed a good light on Oklahoma State football and the culture that uh, Mike Gundy has cultivated up there. Yeah, it's bad. But, you know, it's... Ugh.
1: Like, I, I was reading through it actually about like 45 minutes ago, not that long ago, <clears throat> and, of course, the headline was, you know, it's more than just a shirt. And I was like, okay, I'm really intrigued by this. And then they get into like talking to current players, former players, and of course, they say sources that aren't gonna, they're not gonna, you know, extrapolate those sources, of course. And they just talk about, you know, the issues with the guy that had his heart stop beating, and Gundy not knowing they his kept, players' names. and well, they and kept they practicing. Kept, they
0: kept practicing while he was getting chest compressions. I yeah. mean,
1: incredible. what's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like just a lot of damning things in that article, and you're just like, oh my gosh, like how in the hell? And it and it takes me back to, and I asked a couple of buddies about this just like 10 minutes ago, it takes me back to when OSU was talking about, or not OSU, but Gundy was talking about leaving the Tennessee and OSU, they were going to do a lot of things to try and keep Gundy. And I'm just thinking, wow, just is this more of a, You definitely were not going to be able to find a coach that was going to be able to keep you on the map as well as. I mean, historically speaking,
0: he has brought them unprecedented success. And that's what I'm saying. It's just. Or at least unprecedented sustained success. Success. I mean, they've had some good teams before him, but I mean, consistently reaching 9 10 wins, I mean, that's that's different for Oklahoma State football for sure. And And you can't take that for granted. But now, with all of the attention that he's bringing to the university, I mean. I wouldn't be surprised if someone courts him that they would say, hey, you know, knock yourself out.
1: And on the cusp of a season that could be really the special for He doesn't have the leverage that he used to have. Yeah, and it's, just, and it's just goes back to success being one hell of a drug for OSU after, you know, there's a powerhouse an hour down the highway in Norman. And so they don't want to go back to that because Mike Gundy... For all the things they he's done for them has made them he's made them relevant, and that's something that man that Yahoo article punched him in the gut. Like talked talked about all all the things that players uh, had said about him and the issues going on. And, Basically
0: being distant from his team and not knowing yeah. a lot of names and, and stuff say, like that, and, and, saying and like, not being able to foster any personal yes. relationships because how how distant he was. I mean that's. Uh, like that That's he's... not something you expect of a younger coach. Like You, you hear about that with you know older coaches. You know, you'd know you hear mm-hmm. about that a little bit with Bobby Bowden and stuff like that when he was in his later years. I mean, he's not going to know every player's name. He doesn't have his hands on the program the way that uh, a lot of younger coaches do. But for a guy who – I'm trying to do the math here. Is he 50 now? Something
1: like that. I don't yeah. know.
0: I think he's over 50 now because he was 40 in 2007.
1: When the rant happened.
0: Yeah, so I guess he's got to be 53 now. But anyway, that's still a relatively young and spry football coach. I mean, you should still you should have a better grasp of what's going on in your program. But it's a little odd.
1: Yeah, and that the article said you know he's been developing this persona and he's like an ego maniac. Yeah, there, there, like, there's
0: there's oh a cult of personality God. there for sure. It's a, it's
1: a whole bunch of yikes, dog in that article. But I would recommend everybody reading it. But, yeah, it's pretty intriguing. And so then you look at the coach, you look at Lincoln Riley and Norman and see the cult, the culture that they've cultivated there. You see a lot you of You never players, hear a
0: single bad thing about him from yeah. current players or former players.
1: And, like, Zach Sanchez came out and was like, you know, when all the SAE stuff went down in 2015, Lincoln Riley, although new to the team, hopped on with all the players, supported everything they wanted to do. And Zach have,
0: Sanchez is not a guy who's been afraid to call people out on their bullshit e- exactly. in the past. So you know it's real.
1: And so you just as a Sooner fan, as someone that follows Oklahoma football, you have to really appreciate how Lincoln Riley has held himself, how he's been able to connect with his players. I'm sure he knows all of his players' names, or at least at least all his scholarship players. And it's just Yeah, like, you can't expect him to, to know
0: every walk-on's yeah. name, but yeah, it's Yeah. Pretty I, pretty
1: unreal. Yeah. And much so better grasp there. Now we're sitting here at the end of June waiting and a lot of players are actually already in Oklahoma. And um, waiting for all of them to return in. And on some mass.
0: coaches are now on campus. Yes. Some are beginning their quarantine. But Yeah,
1: they're on campus. I know a lot of them are holding, like, Zoom calls. And a lot of them are probably going to go through, like, you know, like, how to, I don't know, reach out to recruits again and yada yada uh, just on campus. But, yeah, July 1st, so basically in, a, in about a week. And I'm just really curious to see what's gonna happen as far as all the COVID stuff. And then like, you gotta deal with the amount of people coming back. And there's likely gonna be a period of wait time of quarantine once they get back to Oklahoma. So you don't, we don't even know when the official date, they actually start practicing. But I know a ton of people are incredibly excited, incredibly, you know, just like really, really waiting and forthcoming as far as what they want to accomplish this season and you know We'll talk about that later, but the season is gonna be a really really interesting bag of tricks I feel like it's not gonna be I Think it's good just like the NBA I think it's gonna be something worth noting as air experimental in 2020 just like anything else that's gone down this year as a means of the virus going on especially in Texas, but one of the things that I reached out on Twitter to a lot of oklahoma fans uh I said you know what are your what are your concerns what are your top concerns going into the season and of course a lot of them said covid uh, the the virus and, and suspensions and so since those are things that were already on the dock and some things that were very very apparent you know covid yes we're terrified we're not really terrified we're just where it's like, wow, this would, would really be awful if a player caught this. And not just for like, oh, man, they can't play for two weeks. That's a really shallow way of thinking about it as more as of a health pers- health stance perspective to those players. But so just looking at a couple others and one one person named Rowdy Dewyard, I think I spelled it right. Their at is mine. my ID says Rowdy D. That's uh, That's fantastic. He actually had three concerns and I thought they were pretty good. He said, running back is thin on experience after Kennedy Brooks, the corner depth, and then he asks us a question, which, who's our three starting linebackers? So I imagine the two inside linebackers in the rush. So what do you have to say about running back after Brooks? D- do you think his concerns are valid?
0: While they're valid, they will be sort of alleviated by the fact that there are 75 combined offensive line starts returning this year. That tends to make things a little bit easier for running backs. You know, and Kennedy Brooks. I mean, obviously, he's going to get the lion's share of the reps. But I mean, you've got Marcus Major, who obviously has been promising. He was going to play last year if he hadn't gotten hurt. Mm-hmm. And then you've got uh, McGowan, who obviously is getting rave reviews. You've got T.J. Pledger, who has plenty of experience.
1: He changed his number too. He
0: changed his number, number five. I mean, that's that's a, that's going to be a good look, but um. And you know Ramondre Stevenson eventually will be back. So, and Ramondre is very good. I yeah. mean, he's the uh, kind of the some might say he's the best running back on the on I, the on the roster. He's I'd say he's the most physically gifted running back on the roster. I will yeah definitely, and he's great out of the backfield as a receiver as well. Man, I,
1: I I was watching uh, when I when I work out in my den, I watch typically. Uh, old Sooners games, old football games in general from the NFL, and then maybe some basketball highlights. And I, I caught the 2013 uh, Notre Dame game in South Bend with Damian Williams. And I I often think about what Damian Williams could do in a Lincoln-Riley offense. Oh, my God. It would be unreal what he could do with a Damian Williams. A guy that's physically— Damian
0: Williams and uh, Trey Millard. <laughs> Trey Miller and Lincoln. What would Lincoln Riley do with him? Just good so, grief,
1: so much. It's just you look at Damian Williams. How how physically gifted he was. Just like in stature, you look at the speed he possesses, the muscles he possesses, the 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 hands he possesses to play in a Kansas City Chiefs roster that he got robbed of the MVP of the Super Bowl. He did get robbed, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I and I'm a Chiefs fan.
0: I love Money Mahomes, but. Damian Williams MVP for sure. Yeah, that's so who it should have been.
1: I just think about him, and uh, I just think a lot of players that could have played really well into Lincoln Riley, uh, like a Josh Norman, like we've said before. Like in Mikey Henderson is a name that I I thought of for a thing that we'll talk about later. But you know, running back anything offensive for the Sooners, I think should be put to bed after what you saw last year. You don't you, Jalen Hurts. Anywhere else in the country does not go from completing 59% of his passes and 63% of his passes to completing 71 or 72% of his passes anywhere. and He's now, definitely
0: not a Heisman finalist anywhere else. No, That's he, for damn he's sure. not,
1: Yeah, And you you return got five guys that have, like you said, 75 combined starts, and a lot of them are Creed. But you combine five returners on the offensive line. You combine running back... H-back, and guys with experience around uh, Rattler, who's going to be the presumed starter, you know, I'm not worried about running back. Kennedy Brooks has had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, and he's really good on the edge in which Bill Beanbow loves the GT counter. I mean, he Kennedy Brooks, something special about him is just his low center of gravity. He doesn't get knocked down after the first hit, and he's one of the leaders after yards after contact in the nation. And then, you, like like you said, you know, running back's thin after Brooks. I would agree with that. I mean, T.J. Pledger, he's going to be good. He's going to be one of those, he's the change of pace back that we all thought uh, Sutton might have been. And then Marcus Major, he's going to be kind of that Trey Sermon, battering ram, and Seth McGowan. I don't know if he, he's got, he's incredibly talented, but he's not going to see the field this year just because, of other running backs unless there's an injury i'd be but you know who's i could be wrong last year we all took like bets on who'd score the first touchdown and it ended up being jeremiah hall so he who even the hell knows is gonna start where uh corner depth though do you think corner depth is gonna be an issue going into the season i mean you lose Mm -hmm. motley at least
0: experienced corner depth
1: so who do, you, who do you expect to be your corners? Who, who, who your Starting, starting corners? I would
0: expect Trey Brown and uh, Jaden Davis.
1: No Trey Norwood?
0: I'd say Trey Norwood at the nickel. Okay. I, I think Trey Norwood at the nickel, a beefed-up Trey Norwood, I mean, I think he could be really effective there.
1: So what are you going to do with Buki?
0: Uh, you don't start Buki. <laughs> I mean... See,
1: and there there's... I think... And I think... So the corner... I think the depth at corner... Is going to be an issue, like you said. Yeah, but I think. No, you've got the freshman
0: like uh, Eaton, yeah. who I mean I think is physically gifted enough to compete right away, but there's going to be some growing pains. I agree. So, you know, like I said, there, I mean, there's there you have bodies and you have talent, but you just don't have much experience behind uh, Trey Brown and Jaden Davis, so it is a concern for sure.
1: I mean, do you think both those guys will be so? So let's say those are the starters to start the season, of course. Do you think it's at all possible one of those guys gets replaced by in the middle of the season?
0: Ooh, I mean, do you picture either of them doing poorly enough to where they think that someone behind them is a better alternative? I'm not sure the answer to that is yes. Yes, yeah, I think rough. there's a chance that you could see the corners struggle a bit more than they did last year just because, I mean, Parnell Motley, he saved OU's bacon more times than once. I mean, he yeah. was... He was good. He was really solid last year. I mean, he him not being drafted, I mean, and not being invited to the combine was absolute bullshit. Man, I can. He was fantastic last year.
1: I can see Trey Norwood because last year, before he tore his ACL, last year he was working at safety. He was working at nickel. He was working at cornerback because they were just trying to find the perfect spot for him and the perfect spot for the five guys that they would throw out there. And, you know, I, I, there's a lot of guys that they can play in the slot. You can play Cradell, Woody Washington, Buki. And I think if they look at, they're going to look at Trey Norwood, who's six foot one in cleats and about 190 pounds because he came back big. And they're going to look at Jaden Davis, who's a little bit smaller, a little bit more lean but he's got more football acumen because he came from St. Thomas Aquinas. He got that experience in after the freshman year and like it, it'll be a battle. So that's, of course, that's great news. And so I look at the cornerbacks, the cornerback depth. Yeah. Like after you look at Jaden Davis and Trey Brown, who you really left with. So I think that's, that's definite, that's a definite concern and they might have to play a guy that is a freshman. They might have to go through, you know, guys that were nickel or guys that had played safety. And that's definitely a concern. And with the defense is way it's gonna be because I people left with regards to Noah Gallimore. You don't have a lot of, you don't have Marquis Overton. You lost a lot of interior guys. And then Ronnie Perkins suspended for the first five games. You know, those guys are going to be out there on an island. And it they could have some hard times. So I think corner depth definitely is an issue. So you got to stay healthy. I think that's one major thing. If there's anything about 2020 for the Oklahoma Sooners, and any team really, staying healthy is paramount for this entire group especially on defense uh who who are your three starting linebackers
0: well i mean you would go with um you go with Deshaun white obviously that's, and i think that's the obvious it, one right that's the obvious one of course then i, I i'm i gonna give the benefit of the doubt to caleb kelly at mike i think he starts at mike do you think he starts over brian awesome Osamoa? I, I think he does see that that's
1: that's one of the things that crossed into my mind.
0: See, Brian Osamoa is a more natural fit for the position. He is. But Caleb Kelly, I think, with the experience there and the leadership element that I think he's gonna need to bring to this defense this year because you lost a lot of leaders from last year's defense.
1: See, that's and that's exactly what I thought about. I thought of Brian Osamoa because early last season we thought, hey, he's like, Grinch is trying to build, oh, yeah. build up some depth. Then he's, he kind of fell off. But. He's good, and then he just stopped playing as much, just like a lot of other guys stopped playing as much. And then, like, Robert Barnes, people forgetting. Robert Barnes and Jamal Morris, those guys are safeties converted to linebackers that didn't get a spring. And then so I look at Brian Asmoa, and I'm like, man, if he had a spring, he might actually have some legitimacy there. But then at the same time, I'm reminded by the fact that Caleb Kelly came back from an ACL tear. And in, in games that it the game was on the line still. TCU, Oklahoma State a couple times. Uh, L, no, well not LSU. No. Uh, but <laughs> the, big, the, big, the Big 12 title game, Baylor. Caleb Kelly was in there on very important snaps, playing inside linebacker. He was there on the field, not Brian Asamoa. So that tells me he's going to be your starting Mike. I I don't think there's any way around him not being the starting Mike because if they really respect him that much and he's had an off season, (laughs) an extended off season, if you will, to rest his body, get his knees right, try to feel comfortable on that, uh, it's gotta be him. And so the main question after that was, who's gonna be your rush edge? Because you have three really, really,
0: Good well, prospect. they're and they're all going to play too. They will. I mean, they're all going to get a ton of reps. I mean, you saw a ton of rotation at that position last year, even when JMT was healthy. But you know, you go back to the beginning of the season last year. JMT was the surprise big time contributor. He was really Speedy. good. He set the edge. He well. was great. He was fantastic. And then you saw a little drop off after he got hurt. So if he, if you think he can get back to full strength, he might be the dude. I, I. Th- Right now, I will go with him. Mm-hmm. Agwebu, I think by the end of the year, could be the guy, though.
1: Because
0: uh-huh. he i mean mean—he's—he has a really high upside, and he did really well when he was forced into action last year. And then you've got Nick Benito, a guy who, he wasn't perfect. Sometimes the position was a little deficient when he was in there, but he also made a lot of... Huge plays. He, and got, then the, uh, he got a lot Big, better as the year went did. on. He did the Big Twelve championship game. He had a he had a fantastic game yeah. against Baylor. Um, both times, yeah, both times <laughs> he had a fantastic game. But like, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm not too worried about the rush edge position. I mean, it's you have experienced depth at that position. That's one of the few positions on defense where that's really the case this year. So yeah. I'm not too worried about the rush edge position, although it will be interesting to see who gets the most reps.
1: Yeah, I think, I think honestly, who gets the most reps by the Texas game will be Nick Benito, who changed okay. his number to 11, by the way, since Ooh, Bruno nice. Motley Very left. Nice. Um, and be, just because John Michael Terry has a little bit of a history with injuries now. Yeah, that's I mean, true. Because people forget Kenneth Murray started in place of John Michael Terry. At the mic, that's correct. At the mic, and then, of course, he went down with this other injury, and it was so subtle. People didn't even like really realize he got hurt that badly, and the next thing you know, he's just gone for the season. And then, but by the end of the year, I expect David Aguebu to fully take over that position just he because he's a monster. Everybody acknowledges it. He can he's a freak athlete, long, incredibly long arms, long body, anything and everything Grinch wants in a linebacker. So I'm just gonna say a at the rush edge, Deshaun White at the will, and then Caleb Kelly at the mic, which in the Grinch's scheme, which is like a four-two-five, three three-five, whatever you want to call it, they're both kind of inside linebackers with similar similar uh Asks of the coach, but their duties. But uh, of course, the mic will control everything. In which Caleb Kelly, uh, he's been in that defense for four years. He should know. Well, he's been in that defense for a second two years, but he knows everybody and the personnel around him, and he's a good leader on and off the field. So the next kind of concern comes from somebody at Hunted Sports. They say the cohesion of the defense, even in Grinch's second year, these players need time to gel that could make the Tennessee game more scary. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Okay, so Tennessee, there are some things about Tennessee that concern me a little bit. One is that their defensive line is going to be very good this year, like one of the better defensive lines in the SEC. Now, granted, they're going against the Oklahoma offensive line, which is going to be a fantastic unit, but they're going to be going up against a freshman quarterback, so I feel like maybe... If they can get through the line on occasion, they could pay, possibly force them into some errors. So that's one thing that concerns me. As far as Oklahoma's defense, though, while I do agree, it's going to take some time to gel losing Neville Gallimore, losing Kenneth Murray, losing uh, Parnell Motley. Obviously, you're going to have a little bit of growing pains, but Tennessee's offense just does not concern me, to be frank. Yeah, Tennessee Is Jarrett Garantano starting still? I think so. Because he he's kind of fucking sucks. He's, he's not good.
1: He's not that great. And they they lost their top widers here from last year. Their starting yeah. running back suspended for the Oklahoma game. Uh, it's, it's it's a lot of issues for them. So but, I'm, not yeah, I'm, not I'm not worried. I'm not worried about their offense. Not too worried about that offense really. Um, and so. I think the cohesion of the defense is a real thing, though, because, I mean, you're dealing mostly with the same exact guys in the secondary, Sons, uh, of course, Parno Motley, but then you're getting familiar face in Trey Norwood back, so that's always good in the secondary. You're dealing with the same guys at linebacker, except, and of course, you no longer have the kind of alpha male guy that's, like, just built like a freaking... I don't know, he's just... Brick built, shit out. It's just incredible. Built everywhere that runs a 4 five, forty, but you're going to replace him with the Caleb Kelly, who, who's a f- former five-star linebacker, a guy that's very, very smart, not saying that Kenneth Murray was not. You're going to... And you're replacing him, and you're putting him in the middle, who's already a leader, in the second year under Brian Odom, which everybody, all those linebackers are singing his praises. The main question I have is cause I'm not worried about Caleb Kelly's leadership. I just wanna know if he can control the airwaves over the middle of the field. Kenneth Murray could do that and people started to scheme around that, teams started to scheme around that toward the end of the year, taking him out of the play but that didn't work too well because he's still showing up time after time. Caleb Kelly, I think he's got a lot, I think he has a lot of great leadership qualities and I think he he's very high IQ. And I think about, not necessarily cohesion of the the back seven or back eight, whatever you want to say, because the linebackers, where they fit. I do worry about the defensive line in replacing Neville Gallimore. You it is your what your third straight game, but technically starting a new season, it's your first game, second game without Ronnie Perkins. Who is one of your best players on defense, if not the best player you have on the defense? So you have two guys that were pretty important to your rush pass rush last year, gone. And you're going from Missouri State to a Tennessee team that, you know, although they're not gonna be incredible world beaters, I mean you look at what they did last year. They, 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 they want to brag about how they they, they finished the season. <laughs> if on you
0: a, Look at the schedule down the yeah,
1: stretch. They want to brag about, oh, we finished the game, season on a six-game win streak, and it was just a bunch of shit teams, and then anybody they played worth a damn, they got just waxed. And, and it just, and it, so it's not like Tennessee is the world beaters. I would expect the same outcome, honestly, when they came to Norman earlier with Trevor Knight at the helm. I would expect that same kind of situation going on. They're good. But they're not great, especially in Norman. Um, so I'm not too worried about the Tennessee game. To no, not sure. really. And then another one, which is the question that everybody that everybody always has a concern about. He Miles B. says, I want this year to be the year we don't lose a regular season game because that Oklahoma seemingly <laughs> – it's Im- unbelievable since yeah, 2001. It's an
0: five? inevitability. Every time I do my preseason predictions, I'm like, I don't know where this one loss is going to happen, yeah, but it's going to happen somewhere, so I'm going to throw a dart at the board. inexplicable
1: loss. Yeah,
0: if you would have asked me last year if Kansas State would have been that game, i t- told you you were crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 like many other people, put on my ballot that they were – Ninth in the Big 12 preseason.
1: It's incredible,
0: and I think that's actually where they ended up, like uh, in the preseason Big 12 poll. But I mean, obviously, they turned out to be pretty decent, but and and also a pretty tough uh, matchup for Oklahoma as far as their style of yep. play is concerned. Oklahoma wasn't really geared to defend that kind of offense last year, so yeah.
1: and and it, and it came at a time when I when I thought, man, Oklahoma just beat Texas. They're they are gonna they are gonna fail us at in in Manhattan Kansas because I just I just had a bad feeling Kansas State was gonna take it to Oklahoma and of course they did so like in in Iowa State's getting better year by year because Matt Campbell was a hell of a coach Texas they're getting better even though Anthony Cook just uh, went to the <laughs> the transfer transfer portal and they're losing other guys in the transfer portal, but Texas is still going to be good because you still have San Elango returning, And don't, and, but you know, at the same time, Texas, just as much as anybody, is panicking about gelling their team because they have a new offensive and defensive coordinator trying to install those systems, and you lost everybody. Uh, so try to install those systems in six weeks before your first game. Yikes. Um, so, you know, it's just like, where does the inexplicable loss happen? And especially with a season with, you don't want to, like, Put excuses on the table, but we got a freshman quarterback, a retro freshman quarterback, which hasn't stopped you know other teams in the past. Um, and then you you've got you know you're replacing the quarterback of your offense and the defense. You're losing your mic on defense too. So it's like man, you know, OU is a powerhouse. OU is a blue blood. They're expected to win ten games a year at least. And so this isn't want to be this year to be the one to lose a regular season game. Do you think Oklahoma is going to lose a regular season game?
0: I think if there's any year where that's not really the case, I'd think... I think there's a shot this year that they actually run the table, honestly. Just because I... Bedlam... Well, here, here's the thing, though. They might not face, like, a true road crowd this year. You know what I mean? They might not play in front of fans this year, or not very many fans. They're not really going to face a weird, hostile environment or anything like that. So... But then again, some of these weird losses have happened at home in the past, so you never I, really. know. Iowa
1: State can be pretty rowdy. They Iowa,
0: yeah, problem. exactly. But yeah, in, But you're not going to have to deal with that probably. Yeah, so. And you
1: might have. You might have their Red River Shootout in Norman, <laughs> which would be incredible at its finest. Because you know next year, that's not going to be the case.
0: Oh no, of course not. But so, but but yeah, I don't. Yeah, know. I mean, as far as games on the schedule that I mean could trip Oklahoma up. I mean, Iowa State will be tough. Texas, don't, don't, you can lose to Texas any year. Even when Texas is, you know, shitting the bed in a season, they have the talent to show up against Oklahoma and give them a run for their money, at least. You've seen it happen in the past. You saw it in 2013, yeah. and you saw it in 2015. Doesn't Oklahoma, Oklahoma had a better team both years, but...
1: Yeah, doesn't Oklahoma have the other, I guess you might say, the best teams other than themselves on schedule, back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, Texas, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State? Let me look. Because... Texas, because well, was, I, I
0: think it's uh, yeah, I think that might be correct. Because Oklahoma yeah, cause State, was, yeah, Texas, Iowa with State, up. and then yeah, I think that's correct.
1: So that could that could be pretty daunting, but I mean, we'll we'll see what happens, you know. But what is your biggest question heading into summer ball?
0: Oh, heading into summer ball, I, th- I think it's some of the position battles we've been talking about. I mean, who. Who steps up at a, a defensive tackle? I mean, it's probably Perry on Winfrey. Mm-hmm. You would think, and also the position battles along the offensive line—that's one thing that comes to mind. I mean, with limited practice reps through the off season, does like coming into this season before COVID nineteen? I thought you know Stacey Wilkins was a shoe in yeah. to take the left tackle spot, with him getting fewer reps now and Eric Swenson having some experience. I think the chances of Stacy Wilkins being the starter in the season opener are a lot less than they were before wouldn't you agree i would i would agree that's with that. one thing that I, I think one big thing is whether or not these guys have enough reps to win these battles these yeah. less experienced guys I'm talking about like yeah. stacy wilkins
1: I agree with that 100 percent and so my biggest question would be my biggest, my biggest question is wide receivers i mean you, yeah, you, you yeah look absolutely. at the, you look at
0: the roster so, so many injuries. I mean,
1: you, you look at the roster, you've got injuries to, of course, Jaden Hazelwood, who was a guy that played a lot of snaps last year. People don't realize how often he was on the I mean, the field. I
0: thought he was going to break the world this year, <laughs> and it's, you know, not going to happen, unfortunately.
1: And yeah, and so you don't have a Jaden Hazelwood. And, and he, Theo
0: and Howard, I mean, is a question mark as well. Theo so. Howard
1: is probably going to play in some circumstance when he's healthy. OB, Might be OB, later in the year. Obi Obi is not showing up till the summer, but he will likely play because of the depth. Oklahoma doesn't have a receiver. You've got oh Trajan Bridges, who's suspended for five games with Stevenson and Perkins. And so then who are you really left with? I mean, and that's it's kind of the scary part because you can go and look at the receivers and you can say, oh my gosh, like they, they kind of are hurting a little bit so
0: death wise yeah i mean i if you put together a starting lineup of receivers it would be a very good starting lineup of receivers you'd have charleston rambo theo Wees, and then in the slot you'd have either drake stoops or maybe marvin Mims. and then in the uh the tight end role you'd have obiallo or Stogner or uh you know whoever so i mean it's does this whoever starts is going to be pretty good in this offense but Depth, like you said, yeah, it's just going to be a major issue, which is not what we expected coming into the off season.
1: Just, just because you thought, oh, you're going to have Jaden Hazelwood.
0: I mean, you saw all this attrition in the off season of mm-hmm. guys from the uh, 2018 wide receiver class, and you're like, ah, whatever. I,
1: I asked but this question. Now
0: you'd kind of, uh, you'd kind of like to have a few of those guys I, in the current situation. I thought, but... you
1: know, Michael Jones, if he's still, yeah, if he's still, still at Oklahoma, he's starting in the slot for OU right now. Yeah. Good and luck to him at Tulane. Now he's at Tulane, yeah. And yeah. so my biggest question mark is wide receivers on campus, especially like, man, you, like you said, you've got Charleston Rambo, who's going to be the number one, maybe Theo Wees.
0: Rambo, I th- by the way, Rambo with a guy who can actually throw a good deep ball, look out. <laughs> yeah.
1: If Theo Wees is more than capable of playing really well. I mean – and then you look at wow, you're going to go between Drake Stoops or, or a complete freshman and Marvin Mims. You've got Stogner and you've got Obi Obialo. You got Theo Howard, who is a little banged up because of his Achilles thing, but who will likely still play. And then then you go down the list, and it's it's not there's not a lot there. So, I mean, it's just need to guys get healthy. So that's my biggest question heading into summer ball. That's my biggest question heading into just really the season in general. And so we talked about position battles, Let we talked about Rush Edge, J.M.T., Benito, Igwebu, we talked about the Mike Linebacker between Caleb Kelly and Brian Asamoa. at Nickelback. You look at Buki, Norwood, and Washington, you know, who starts the season, who ends the season?
0: Is Buki still in the doghouse? That's one question. I don't After think... what happened in, in uh, yeah. against LSU, I mean, that was a little embarrassing on his part, but obviously that was a long time ago that was you know half a year ago so i mean at the same time i mean i think i i'd go with norwood probably honestly a beefed up norwood yeah i'd probably go with him over uh woody washington who washington i think he's probably the future of that position but yeah they really they really really like he's washington he's good yeah he was unfairly thrust into a tough situation and played pretty LSU. well to be honest he played all right yeah But he shouldn't have been put in that position in the first
1: place. So So, who is your player in summer ball? Just like any player, freshman, upperclassman, whatever, to wow people and excite people in summer ball and maybe even contribute in the fall?
0: Hmm, wow people and excite people in summer ball. Perry on Winfrey. You're
1: going to go with Winfrey? Yeah, I'll go with Winfrey. All right, so mine is, I feel like mine is kind of, I don't know. It's not a. He's not a diamond in the rough or anything. He he was a four star tight end. Uh, I'm gonna go with Jalen Conyers. There you go. I yeah, like that. I, I, he he is a super athlete. That is.
0: He's a guy who's sort of forgotten in this recruiting yes, class, he I and mean, he's, he's he's one good. of the best fits of anyone who came in. I. He's think. like I mean. six
1: foot four, tight end. Ultra athlete. And like when when anybody can dunk a ball in basketball, they're like, man, he's so athletic. He can, he can get up, but. Yeah, he's, he's physically, athletically talented. And if he, if he had a spring, he would be talked about quite a lot, and he didn't. So I'm going to say Jalen Conyers, and then, of course, my backup would be Marvin Mims because he's going to have to play, and he's going to have to play well for the team to be pretty successful. I mean, that's just as simple as it is. But let's get to other things and things that kind of just happened, actually. So the recruiting saga of Isaiah Coe never ceases to amaze because he committed to Oklahoma and the thing that I said with Stephen last week on the podcast was he committed to Oklahoma but we're not sure if Oklahoma's committed to him and so nobody touched his commitment tweet nobody touched any of that and then just before we started recording Calvin Thibodeau retweets Isaiah Coe's commitment to me that sounds like hey, Oklahoma is going to officially take Isaiah Co. and not have this weird, like, well, we'll see if he fits in the boat. And if he doesn't, after, near signing day, they'll have to kick him.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I think, yeah, Tibbs, if he's waiting this long to do it, it means that he got the uh, he got the go-ahead to do this. So it seems to me like this is probably resolved. Obviously, we'll keep an eye on it, but... If you're someone who was a fan of Isaiah Coe coming into Oklahoma, this uh, this would be good news.
1: And just, you know, there's, there have been several prospects that they've been after on the defensive line, and good ones. And uh, you guys that are actually four-star guys that are pretty not – they're not projects. And so Tibbs retweeting Isaiah Coe, kind of giving legitimacy to his commitment because nobody tweeted anything. There was radio silence when he committed and they were kind of taken aback by his commitment to go public. You know, it, it was it was odd. and so his commitment tells me that they were maybe tired of waiting on somebody or somebody started trending in a different direction. They said, okay fine, you know that's oh, that's okay. that's good. Then they they have a top Juco player that came from a powerhouse in Iowa Western, and they said, that's great, fine, whatever, they're gonna take that commitment. But what does continue to amaze is uh, Mike Gundy, love that guy. I mean, like, Mike, you know, we talked about it earlier, but it's just, my question is, what, what kind of culture or lack of culture are you building there where it was a really big idea, it was a really big moment for them to let, for the Oklahoma State Athletics Department to let Chuba Hubbard wear a do rag on camera, that was a big yeah, deal. Yeah, that,
0: that's uh, that's a little bit of yikes there. Like, what does that even mean? Why were you not allowing that in the first place? You you and we you get the same question with Iowa,
1: where obviously yikes. there were some
0: issues up there. So I feel like there's a common denominator here. So pretty. I'll just leave it at that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's. Pretty pretty rough stuff. I'll let in you there. interpret that. <laughs> yeah, and so, I mean, it's toward the end of June. A lot of a lot of schools are coming back to campus, and a lot of schools have already been back at campus. I mean, you had the Houston debacle, which where they said, "Yeah, we're not gonna test for COVID. Uh, we're just gonna, you know, if they start uh, dying on the football field and hacking up symptoms, maybe we'll maybe we should give them a test." And then of course that just splattered in all of their face, and now Houston Whoops. is. Houston is a is a major hot spot in the United States let alone just Texas for outbreaks of COVID and spread of that so like you've got differing returns to campus though you look at Clemson and they had about 23 guys test positive in Texas you had several like 13 or 15 guys test positive but then you look at Notre Dame the 91 guys they tested and one came back positive who's asymptomatic Indiana tested everybody and nobody came back positive and so Lincoln Riley is either going to look like a genius for saying you know what just quarantine at home and then come back or he's going to have lost a few weeks of practice for no reason because that delaying of the players coming back was actually a hinder to his players see, because Houston is a is a poor spot right now.
0: See, yeah, that's that's this is one of these arguments where you can see it from both sides. Getting players early and getting things under control and having control of the situation earlier, having them on campus, trying your best to keep tabs on them. Obviously, you're not going to be able to have a 100% success rate with a 19-year-old, 20-year-old kids, 100 of them on campus. You're not going to be able to keep all of them from going out and doing something stupid and And, catching and that's COVID, before the season. What are they going to do exactly, during yeah. the season after they win yeah. on Saturdays? Exactly, yeah. I I think there's a lot to be said of both sides, honestly. I I mean, I understand where Riley was coming from deciding to bring them in later but whether or not this is going to actually prove to be a better tactic remains to be seen it's not a slam dunk by any means
1: so it's it's just one of those things where you know i tweeted out today after roy manning you know tweeted from the office and i said hey you know don't in a couple weeks or in a week and a half i guess when they start reporting and having these tests for the players do not be surprised when guys when guys test positive for the virus because every
0: institution is happening. I I would say to try to manage your expectations as far as that's concerned. Yeah,
1: I would agree. And, you know, something that popped up, which I thought was really interesting, was Tuscaloosa, their mayor, uh, they they said, you know, if they didn't have Alabama football this season, they said it would result in a $2 billion loss in revenue for that city. And college football matters not just for universities – to towns, but to actual like institutions like ESPN, everything is involved here. And so I look at the NCAA and I look at how they're going to make this college football season work. And I I think they're going to do literally everything in their power to ensure there is college football this season at all costs because they need that money. They
0: can't afford not to yeah. play. Like it's as simple as that. They're going to play football. So
1: do you think that it's possible that they play just maybe 9 or 10 games or they just they play yeah. just conference that, that. games and I was thinking about which would which would more likely to be to happen, that they play those 9 games and then they just have just like in the 1980s they just named a national champion that was ranked yeah, number one. you already
0: your previous to uh, yeah previous
1: to nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, or or because it's the NCAA and because it's ESPN because it's college football and they need the money and they need the revenue that they would still have bowl games and that they would still squeeze the hell out of any money they can make and possibly do an eight team playoff.
0: Yeah, I, I I could see all of that happening. Absolutely, I, I like. You would think that, would playing all of these bowl games be necessary? No, but the TV contracts for those bowl games are enormous. Yep. I mean, you, you, everyone makes fun of, you know, the amount of bowl games there are on television. There's a reason there are this many bowl games. They all make a shitload of television mm-hmm. money. People tune into the New Orleans Bowl featuring Louisiana Lafayette every year. I mean, there's nothing else going on in, you know, late December. People are going to want to watch these terrible bowl games and that's still going to be the case. I mean, I, will they play as many of these bowl games? Maybe not, but I, I you would think that they would try to grab the money at that point. And who knows what the climate will be at that point, as far as COVID-19 is concerned. I mean, right? You, you, we don't know for sure at this point, I would imagine that they would try to squeeze as much money out of this as possible, but you know, I'm not sure. I, I don't. Maybe we'll see what happens with these non conference games. I would be willing to bet that they play all of these games. I just don't think they're gonna do it in front of very many fans.
1: And I know that the military academies, they may not just play their games and I think yeah, a lot that, of teams, that's a
0: different situation, but
1: I think a lot of teams, especially like, you know, Oklahoma, of course, they're supposed to go to West Point. Yeah. And I don't know if that even happens. I think Maybe lot this of, year. A
0: lot of OU fans were looking forward to that trip. Yeah. That's not happening anymore. And they, they look at least not for fans.
1: I think that they might try to reschedule Army for a year down the road and try to put somebody regional like SMU or Tulsa, Tulsa, Rice, New Mexico, somebody within borders, somewhere, somewhere like that, just out of caution and stuff like that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised about any of that. So. I mean, do you, would you support, just like the NBA is doing, would you support the NCAA kind of toying around with the college football playoff and saying, you know what, it used to be four, but hey, this is an abnormal year.
0: Let's, yeah, try, let's, let's try six.
1: Let's try to have two guys play in, or let's try eight just to I, see what that I'm looks
0: like. I'm not a fan of having more than eight, but I think eight would be a perfect amount because with eight, you could have the five power five conference champions – and then you could have three at largest, one of which would probably be Notre Dame. Yeah. And maybe you would let one group of five team in there at the end or something like that. I think I mean I think that would be fun. I think people would really enjoy that.
1: Yeah, I think Plus, I do. Plus
0: I mean you would it would now granted, ESPN gets a lot of traction out of these dumb playoff debates, so you would kind of hurt ESPN in that regard yeah. with midweek programming <laughs> and stuff like that. But I I think it would be a slam dunk honestly. Oh yeah, I, I, think, I think I think
1: I think a lot I don't think I don't think anybody is saying, Oh man, four teams is the perfect fit. I think a lot of people have said, you know, expand this thing to six, expand it yeah. to eight. That way The a, more football the better. Yeah, because I mean you look at a Howard State, when they beat <laughs> Alabama that year, they weren't even supposed to be in. They were the fourth seed and then they win the entire thing. So I think in so you just look at a lot of other things and you just say you know what maybe six is good But if you just expand it out to eight and have everybody else You know play those games that like maybe a at a, that at, that are a higher seed play at their own site And then you go down and actually play the actual bowl games for their semifinals or whatever It might make it a lot more exciting, but who knows? Who knows but Man, uh, that's all I've got do you have anything else?
0: I think I'm good, man.
1: So, what are you, what are you doing for the rest of the week?
0: Oh, I've got some friends from out of town from Montana coming in. We're, I mean, obviously, this is a weird time to try to entertain people right. and take. I mean, obviously, we're not really taking people out to like a crowded bar or anything like that during all of this. But you know, a few patio beers never hurt anybody. So, Montana. probably a little bit of that. And plus, we're uh, also about to get a dog. So, oh, that's good. Yep, yeah, a miniature schnauzer. His name's Archie. Our
1: Schnauzer is the one with, like, they look like little old men with mustaches.
0: Yep, yep, absolutely, and it's a miniature one. So,
1: <laughs> well, so we it's love the,
0: him already. Name is Archie. <laughs> Archie, yeah. That's
1: fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's a strong name.
1: I think I think I'm like tomorrow. I'm gonna go check out a wedding venue at the Boathouse in Oklahoma City.
0: Oh, that'd be a great one. Yeah,
1: and like so, we're really excited about that. And then planning to get my first haircut since like late February or March, so that'll be uh, interesting, because, you know, and I don't even, I don't even, I, I'm just going to find a barber, because typically, man,
0: I wish we were doing this on Zoom like we were before, I want to see your hair um, right it's,
1: now, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's special, <laughs> it's just, like, I can't stand it anymore, it's, because my hair is naturally super thick, so what happens is, it doesn't grow down, It it gets really curly, and then it kind of grows up. So, lots of hats and lots of headbands have been my choice of aesthetic. So, it's uh, it's been quite the quite the time, but who knows. But apparent, apparently, and I you know they said this t- today on Twitter, that Dr. Fauci, the first time I've heard from this guy in like, what, a month? They said that they're expecting a vaccine by late, I think, no- November, December, which doesn't surprise me because there's there's things you can see that are categorized on like vaccine tracks. And there are two companies, and of course there are, this is how it works. There are three phases. The first phase is just like t- tiny trial and stuff like that. And then phase two is like, uh, it's like over a hundred people get tested. And then phase three is like thousands of variable stuff being tested of people that have volunteered for this. And then, of course, the final, then phase four is approval. So there are two actual vaccines for the virus in phase three, one of them being a really big corporation in AstraZeneca, which they said, hey, our goal is to have it by late November. Um, and to, if, they, if it gets approved, that they already have two billion doses ready on hand to give to the vulnerable population first. And then, of course, to make a lot more of that. So that's good news on that front. It's fantastic news for people that want to get vaccinated.
0: Absolutely. Cuz I saw people We have what do we have without hope? <laughs> yeah. I am going to go I mean yeah. I'm a very cynical human being, but I in this in this time in this climate I'm going to go ahead and just cling to optimism. Yeah, and just for the hell of it, just for my own sanity.
1: That, that's something that that's something that sports gives people is is this idea of like something to cheer for, something to root for, hope. And these are things that like like ever since Rudy Gobert has shut down the NBA, we haven't had anything to cheer for or root that for dirt athletically. <laughs> and so like the NBA comes back, what? In
0: touching in, microphones. Yeah. And people don't forget.
1: He's not getting to heaven. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> Kobe's gonna swat him down but it's just <laughs> but it's just like gosh like you don't, you can't joke it, it's just like sports have been really good for that not just because like it's entertaining but because people cheer have something to actively cheer for and not having that since March has really put a damper on a lot of people's like lives, like mentally and a lot of other things. And imagine. I,
0: I, I mean, I I'm a golf fan normally, but I'm really, really, really a big golf fan right now, just mm-hmm. because it's the yeah. only thing on right now.
1: Like I know people watching the German league, the Bundesliga for oh, soccer, yeah, yeah. and you know I love me some Bundesliga. And then um, people are watching. Uh, New Zealand sports and
0: people, yeah, a lot a lot of Australian rules football and, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah,
1: and, and South Korean baseball. Yep. But uh, but in base American baseball in general has been an ongoing saga. Well, season. yeah,
0: I I believe I just saw a tweet. I think they came to a deal finally, or or, or that close they're going to come to training to a camp and they're just going to work. Yeah, out the I, I think times. something I, I something's on my timeline here. I think it's it's a good sign. Whatever it is.
1: Yeah, but it's been it's been a rough whatever. But it looks like NBA is gonna start start up soon. You're already seeing players agreeing to deals to play in the bubble, and then you know before you know it, college football summer summer camps and summer news and who's showing out. It's 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 gonna happen sooner than we think. So I'm just really excited.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I mean yeah, here we go. Yeah, it's from Carl Ravage. The deal is done between the MLBPA. And the MLB on the health and safety protocols, oh, game on. Fantastic. And I mean, it's going to be sixty games. Yeah. So which the games are going to be way way more meaningful. Like because so that, that, that's going to be
1: fun. That's one of my gripes about baseball because I'm not the biggest baseball fan, but if it's only sixty games, I could tune in for that.
0: I could, yeah. I could, there you go. Could, well, who's your team going to be?
1: I don't. You know, I don't know. Um. You, because my my dad. Uh, you know, he came to the country in nineteen eighty or nineteen seventy eight. So like uh-huh. he just automatically picked what was what was popular at the time. So like you know, who like who were those teams besides the Sooners? You know, it was like the Yankees and the Lakers, you know. <laughs> so you it's go. just like, you know, I'm not I don't wanna be a I don't wanna be rooting for the 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 empire. So I'll have, to, I'll have to adopt my own baseball team because there I always, my, my biggest gripe was always, like, there's so many games. Like, like the NBA plays 82, and I'm not exhausted by 82 games. So, like, I think 60-something is fine, and that'll be something that I can watch, and it's much more exciting than other baseball that we've seen. Uh, bunting is, is not a regular thing that they do in the American League, and so I'm excited. But uh, I think that about wraps us up.
0: There we go. So
1: – Follow us on Crimson and Cream Machine, uh, uh, Brought to you guys by SB Nation. You can find Jack at JLarryShields on Twitter or C- at CCMachine. You can find me at CameronB and CCM. Alan Kenny at Bladen Homerism. Uh, next, speaking
0: th- of which, stay tuned for Alan Kenny's podcast later in the week. He's going to be hosting David Ubbin, who covers Tennessee for the Athletics. So. If you want a nice Tennessee preview, tune in Alan's podcast later this week. I haven't heard tune from, into Alan's podcast haven't heard this from
1: UBS in a long time. Yeah,
0: it's been yeah, a well, back to Big Twelve. Well, kind back to Big Twelve country just for one podcast. Yeah.
1: And next week, me and Steven will be dropping a pretty important recruiting update.
0: Yeah, because, yeah. Uh, if you know much about what's going down the, on Fourth of July, you know that yeah. you, you will definitely need to tune in next. Early week. Early
1: July will be a fun time for Sooners yes, fans. Yes, it will be. So. Just follow us on all those platforms. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Google Play. Give us a five-star rating or a review. We really appreciate it. We're at 99 right now, so that 100th one would be pretty special for us. And we'll check you guys later.